Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score. The biggest fantasy draft weekends are upon us now. Tons of fantasy managers making picks over the next week and a half, and we're wishing you nothing but good luck in all your leagues. But as they say, luck is preparation, meet an opportunity. And if you want to be prepared, you got to check out the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit. It's available over in the Score app or on the website. There's links to it on my Twitter page, at Justin Boone. I just did a full update to everything in there today. I mean, the rankings, the tiers, salary cap or auction values, some tweaks to the breakouts and busts and sleepers columns, some changes to the backup running back rankings. And on top of that, you have draft strategies and mock drafts and strength of schedule and everything rocking in there for you. So it's ready to roll if you're drafting this weekend. And we're going to continue updating that right until the regular season kicks off. Now, One of the recent articles I did in the draft kit was 10 bold fantasy predictions for 2023, and hopefully you read it. If you didn't, I won't hold it against you because I'm going to quickly go over them today. I'm also going to add a few more that didn't make the article. So let's get into it. The first one is Daniel Jones finishing as a top five fantasy quarterback. You look back at last year, he finished ninth in fantasy points per game among qualified quarterbacks. This year, I think he's going to take his production to another level. So much of the credit should go to Brian Dable and Mike Kafka and their scheme in New York, but really it's the infusion of talent around him, right? What he did last year with that crew is very impressive. Now you look this season, he has Darren Waller, a true elite tight end when he's healthy, Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt, some better weapons to pair with Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins and Saquon Barkley, obviously. So I think that's going to allow Jones to flourish. And his production on the ground can't be understated, right? 708 rushing yards last year, seven rushing TDs, just checking all the boxes for a high-end QB1 in fantasy. Number two, and this one is a big one. This one might be kind of crazy, but Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup both eclipsing 2,000 receiving yards. And it would be the first time that any receiver ever went over 2,000 yards. Some guys have come close. These two have actually come close. You look back at last season, Justin Jefferson, he was nearly on pace to do it before he saw kind of a weird decline in playing time over the final two weeks. But his per-game stats through 15 outings, he was on pace for 1,990 yards. And then you have Cooper Cup, who has been fantastic whenever he's been healthy the last couple of years. You go back to 2021 and what he did, 1,947 yards. So he's working his way back from this hamstring injury at the moment. That might make it a little tougher if he can't get off to a really, really hot start. But all signs are pointing towards Cup being ready for week one. So I'm saying let the race begin to 2,000. I hope they're both in the mix. I know Tyree Kills suggested he wants to try to get there too. So I think we're going to see at least one guy do it. I think these two have the best shot to pull it off this year. Alexander Madison and Damian Pierce finish as fantasy RB1s. And we know volume is such a key element for fantasy running backs having success. And also the number of these three down workhorse type ball carriers, it's been declining every single season. So you have a guy like Madison and Pierce. Really, right now, they both project to see as many touches as they can handle in their offenses. Madison, 
he has been a bell cow whenever Dalvin Cook was out. And you got to look too at the way the Vikings used Dalvin Cook. Madison wasn't really involved. It was Dalvin Cook's show. And everything that they've told us since then is Madison is going to be the one to step into that spot this year. And I've said these things a million times over the offseason, but in the last five games where Madison played at least 50% of the Viking snaps, he averaged 25 touches per contest. That is very exciting, even if he comes anywhere close to that. And then with Pierce, one of the biggest risers in my rankings over the last few weeks, he had a very strong rookie season as a runner, but we questioned whether he was ever going to get the passing game usage to vault him up the fantasy ranks. This preseason, that's what we've witnessed. They used him as a full-time player. I think that's going to continue into the regular season. Devin Singletary is there, but I think Devin Singletary is going to require an injury to Pierce before he really gets a chance to do much in that offense. So we're going to see both these guys, Madison and Pierce, push for spots among the top 12 fantasy backs. This next one I love. I think people need to get on board with this. Multiple rookies cracking the top 12 fantasy tight ends. And we talk about the trend in the past that rookie tight ends, it takes a little while for them to get acclimated to the pros. And will these guys be able to come in and produce right away? But in recent seasons, that trend has started to fall apart a little bit. And one of the guys was Kyle Pitts, who is just this generational talent at the position, but also Pat Fryermuth with a big touchdown total. We saw even last year, maybe not over the course of a full season, but we saw guys like Kate Otten and Chiga Conquo come in and have pretty decent stretches as rookie tight ends. I think this year we have three candidates to really step up. It's Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta, and Luke Musgrave. Just Quality pass catchers with strong athletic profiles with really high draft capital backing them up. So that's going to encourage their teams to get them out there to use them often. And I think they're going to be able to do things right out of the gate for fantasy and the current state of the low end tight end one range. There's a lot of guys there like Tyler Higby and Dalton Schultz and some guys who we project to have volume, but they aren't really exciting past that. I think these rookies are going to step into those roles. They are much more exciting. They have higher ceilings, especially somebody like Kincaid, who I think could really, really move up the rankings and finish as a top 10 fantasy tight end, maybe even higher as we get to the end of the season. So if you're waiting on a tight end, if you miss out on one of the elite guys, if you don't get anybody in that Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard range, you wait until after the 10th round and you go for one of these rookies. And as I said before, if it doesn't work out, then you just head to the waiver wire and you stream after that. Tony Pollard taking home the fantasy running back crown. And when you think of his rise to fantasy stardom, it reminds me so much of Austin Eckler and what happened with the Chargers, where you had Eckler playing second fiddle to Melvin Gordon, and then eventually Melvin Gordon moves out of the way, and Eckler's in that starting role. He becomes a top three fantasy producer. And with Ezekiel Elliott gone from the Cowboys, Pollard is now going to have a chance to see how high he can go in fantasy. Last year finished as the RB8 without Elliott. How high could he finish in 2023? And you think about his skill set, it's just so ideal. I mean, he's got the potential to deliver that elite yardage total to have receptions, to even have a big touchdown number. So don't be surprised when he's being mentioned among the Ecklers and the McCaffreys for that top spot in fantasy this season. Jahan Dotson, I've been on this guy all offseason. Now during the preseason, he's stepped up. He's had some really big games and everyone's come around. I love to see it. 
How about him leading the league in receiving touchdowns? You think about what he did last year, averaged nearly a touchdown per game in the eight contest, which he played at least 70% of the commander's snaps. And that was as a rookie. And even though you don't want to look at that pace because it's a smaller sample size, half a season, you don't want to blow that up and say, well, he's definitely going to be up there, but it at least shows what he can do around the red zone, that knows for the end zone that he has. And we have multiple beat writers commenting that there's so much chemistry between their new quarterback, Sam Howell, and Dotson. We also saw it during the preseason games, like I mentioned, where he had seven catches, 106 yards, and a score over the first two preseason games. And with Terry McLaurin dealing with this toe issue now, Will he miss time early in the season? That could potentially help Dotson's totals as well. So he's going to be in the conversation, at least, for the league lead in receiving touchdowns. And we'll stick with the commanders for the next one. Sam Howell becoming a weekly fantasy starter. Dotson's not the only playmaker in that Washington system. You have McLaurin, who I mentioned. You have Curtis Samuel and Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson and Logan Thomas and Cole Turner. You know, this underrated collection of skill position talent who could really help the sophomore quarterback thrive in Washington. And we've seen evidence of it in the preseason, how completed 76% of his passes for 265 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, added another 25 yards on the ground in these two appearances. And the rushing numbers are particularly notable because it's something he did in college and it's something he did in his lone start last year. It was late in the season, but in that one start, 35 rushing yards and a rushing score. If that continues, Howell's going to have a shot to threaten for a spot in the top 12 fantasy quarterbacks. Next one here, Zach Charbonnet outscoring Kenneth Walker. This one, we've seen some signs that it could be the case. It's also just one of those like gut feelings that I have this year. Walker, he's returned to practice, but he missed a lot of time the last few weeks here dealing with an injury. He's supposed to be ready for week one, but his absence let Charbonnet get out there, show this coaching staff what he's capable of. He flashed that really physical running style. He's a very competent pass catcher. At worst, this seems like it's going to be some sort of split in the backfield. Walker last year was very boomer bust. Would it shock anyone if the Seahawks decide to give a bigger back like Charbonnet some of the goal line work? And if they use him more in the passing game than we saw Walker get used last year, very possible that could be the case. And if Charbonnet performs well at some point, he might be the better fantasy option. Even if Walker has more touches, Charbonnet could be getting the more valuable touches for fantasy. I think it's well within his range of outcomes to be the better fantasy play as the year goes along. Sky Moore finishing as a top 24 fantasy wideout. We've talked so much about which Chiefs receiver would you want. Travis Kelsey is the de facto number one receiver in Kansas City, but Sky Moore is making a case to lead the actual receiving core in targets this year. And he had a pretty disappointing rookie campaign, but now 22 years old, he's drawing very positive reviews this offseason. He's distanced himself too from the kind of rotational wideouts that they have a little further down the depth chart. It's Sky Moore and it's Marquez Valdez-Scanling. They appear to be close to full-time players with more stepping into that slot role that Juju Smith-Schuster previously held. And even though Juju was playing through all these injuries, he still earned 101 targets a year ago. And the stage is set for more to win back fantasy managers. I think he's going to have a breakout year too. And then the last one that was in the column, J.K. Dobbins scores double-digit touchdowns. 
with everybody focused on the Ravens passing attack and what's going to happen with Todd Monken in town and these new pass catchers filling out that receiving core. J.K. Dobbins has kind of flown under the radar, but Dobbins is somebody that could also benefit from what's happening in Baltimore. Monken's talked about increasing the pace of play. They were a very slow offense under Greg Roman. And if they do increase the pace of play, if they have the kind of success we're projecting, that's going to lead to more scoring opportunities as well. And I think it could lead to Dobbins thriving in the same way that Mark Ingram did during Lamar Jackson's MVP campaign in 2019, when you saw Ingram finishes the RB8 in fantasy, and he did it really on the back of a huge touchdown total, 15 touchdowns that year combined. So I think we could see something similar from Dobbins this year. Now, as for the ones that you won't find in the article, I'll give you three bold predictions that just missed out on making it. They were left in the cutting room floor. Amonra St. Brown scoring double-digit touchdowns. So kind of like we just talked about with Dobbins, Amonra St. Brown coming through with a big touchdown total. Not the boldest, maybe, since he's already a top 10 receiver in my rankings, but he hasn't been a big touchdown scorer so far. He's come away with five and six touchdowns in his first two NFL seasons. But last year, he was tackled inside the five-yard line seven times, which is just insanely bad luck. So I'd expect a few more of those to turn into touchdowns. And the Sun God is going to have a monster season. He's an outstanding pick in the second round. That brings us to my next bold prediction, Mike Williams and Tyler Lockett joining Amonra in the top 12 fantasy finishers among receivers. So for Williams, you look back to two years ago, the team committed to getting him the ball. They told us they were going to do it. And the results were great. 76 receptions, 1146 yards, a top 12 finish in fantasy points per game among qualified wideouts in half PPR. Last year, he misses five games around midseason, basically six because he barely played in another one. And if we take his stats from the other 12 games that he actually played starter snaps, he was on pace for 88 catches, 1247 yards and six touchdowns. That would have made him the wide receiver 11 at the end of the year. And there's some talk that rookie Quentin Johnston may be still getting acclimated to the pros. So I don't think that he is a big threat to Williams right now in the future, 2024 and beyond, maybe even late this season, perhaps. But right now, I think Williams is the guy with Keenan Allen being that, you know, safety blanket for Justin Herbert in the offense. And if we can get Williams touchdown total back up, we've seen him put up 10 TDs before. If that happens, we are in for a huge campaign for Big Mike. For Lockett, he's been a top 15 fantasy receiver for five straight years, and yet people just don't want to acknowledge that. I understand that Jackson Smith and Jigba is there. They used a first-round pick on him, so that does change the dynamic of the offense, but still, every single season we do this, guys like Lockett, guys like Mike Williams, they end up too far down the ADP list, and they end up being great values, and Lockett's somebody that has at least eight touchdowns in those last five years when he finished so well in fantasy. And now with JSN having this injury, probably going to miss some time to start the year, had to have wrist surgery. And we have some injury analysts saying that the team could actually hold JSN out potentially until after the Seahawks week five bye. Also on top of it all, the Seahawks have the third easiest wide receiver schedule in my fantasy strength of schedule matrix this year. So would it surprise anybody if Lockett finds his way back up into the top 15 again, maybe even in to the top 12. The next one here, Justin Herbert 
leading the league in touchdown passes. He had a career high in attempts last year, but he had a career low in touchdowns with just 25, went over 30 the previous two seasons. But last year, we saw Austin Eckler post a career high with 13 rushing touchdowns. Likely that is going to even out a bit. Plus, Herbert just has so many intriguing weapons. I mean, Mike Williams, who I discussed, Eckler, Keenan Allen, Quentin Johnston, Josh Palmer, Gerald Everett at tight end. You know, he's very insulated this season. It's going to lead to a lot of trips to the end zone and Herbert outdueling Mahomes and Allen and Burrow and the other top guys en route to a new personal benchmark for touchdown passes and en route to leading the league in that category. But that was the last one. And unfortunately, that is all for today's show. Make sure you're checking out the draft kit over the next week or two over at the score before all your drafts. I'll be back next week. We'll tell you what we learned in the final slate of preseason games. We'll have a guest joining me midweek. But until then, big thanks to everyone who's dropped a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're using. Big thanks to everybody for listening every week. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said leave on time.